This time on Geek Pod Blue. Polybius, 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 Polybius. Warning, station is now code blue. <laughs> scary movies so far this Halloween season. Uh, but we're going to continue with the whole scary vibe, and I would like to talk about video games today. Now, I don't know what video games mean to you, uh, but I certainly have a long history with them, uh, from going to my cousin's house and, you know, playing their Atari to uh, getting those little crappy handheld knockoffs of larger games to eventually uh, picking up my very own Nintendo Entertainment System. And these uh, memories are etched in my mind. We went to the Toys R Us up in Watertown. I don't know if there still is one there. And uh, we picked one up. We got the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System that didn't come with Mario. It didn't have any of the extras. Uh, which was odd because everybody else had Mario and Duck Hunt. So I actually had to borrow uh, Super Mario Brothers from somebody in order to play it. Uh, but I, I did get Punch-Out and Rygar. Now, I, most people don't know what Rygar was. It was an arcade game that I, I really loved. And uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System version was totally not the same game, uh, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, but I did also spend a lot of time playing it regardless and also played a ton of Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I know it's not called Mike Tyson's anymore, but... Uh, it, it was when I first played it, so that's forever etched in my mind. And I can remember myself and my uncle playing those games for hours on end. And it just created such a love of video games in me that, you know, that it continues to this day. I'm going to be 41 in just a few short months. And I still spend several days a week, multiple hours a day, playing The Elder Scrolls Online. So... Uh, it, certainly, video games are a big part of my upbringing, and I have a feeling that this generation that is going to be taking over for the older generation, it's not going to be weird for somebody in their 60s or 70s to still be interested in video games now. Uh, especially considering there's so many casual games that people play on their phones. But even more so, you know, the generation that's going to be in their 60s, you know, in a couple years, grew up on video games. So while people have always said, what, you're still playing video games? Isn't it time for you to grow up? Uh, I think the norm is going to be, of course I'm playing video games, that's what we do. There's going to be a bunch of old farts playing Call of Duty, swearing at each other with outdated um, curse words. Now, I didn't uh, want to just talk about my history with video games. I actually wanted to talk about something that came across my uh, newsfeed this week, and I found it very interesting. Now, there's an urban legend about an uh, arcade game, an arcade game, called uh, Polybius, I believe. And I'm just going to kind of give you the details. Now, the, the story goes that in 1981, in the city of Portland, uh, a new arcade game showed up in a local arcade. And people started playing it, and it was incredibly addictive. There would be lines around the machine. People would fight to play it. And two people, either, depending on the version of the story you hear, got sick or dropped dead while playing this game. Now, people say that there were uh, men in black from the FBI who would periodically show up to gather information from this arcade game. 
And the rumor began that this was somehow some kind of a secret government experiment in mind control. Um, very interesting, right? Um, shortly thereafter, after the people uh, became sick uh, from playing the game, the arcade game disappeared. And it was never seen again. Now, I, I can understand how a, a legend like this would uh, be created. I don't know how many of you remember the heyday of arcades, but my memories are walking into a, you know, a, not an abandoned strip mall, but sometimes pretty close. And sometimes the arcades were in the back. The windows were all smoked over because you could smoke in arcades and anywhere you wanted to back then. You walk into the place, sometimes it smelled of stale beer and piss. There was still a haze in the air, kind of like a really crappy bar. And there'd be the kids playing games. There'd be creepy adults hanging around. A lot of drug deals happened at arcades. Uh, it was a very scary but also exciting time because that was a place you would go to play video games and also yeah, it was edgy, it was a little dangerous, and, and I think people got a thrill out of it. Now, this was prior to the big arcade boom. You know, I mean, they, they were getting there. You know, Pac-Man and all those were on their way and going to be a big deal. But it was prior to Street Fighter uh, two coming out and, you know, being the biggest thing ever, uh, which really created the heyday of arcades. And oddly enough, when it was released on home consoles after that, I think that's pretty much when arcades started their downhill trend. Uh, so the same game responsible for both the highs and the lows in the arcade industry at Go Figure. Uh, now, that was the environment we're talking about. So you can imagine it's very easy for whispered rumors to uh, lay root in people's minds and this, this urban legend to develop. Now, interestingly enough, there are no actual uh, docu there's no actual documentation of the game in 1981. Now, on February 6, 2000, an entry for Polybius was added to the arcade or addled. Listen to me. It's been a long week. It was added to the arcade game resource uh, website coinop.org. Now, the entry mentions the name Polybius and the copyright date of 1981. Now, there's no record of there being any copyright like this. Okay, and the author claims uh, that they were in possession of a ROM image of the game, uh, which had extracted fragment fragments of text, including 1981. I'm going to butcher this, Chen, which is uh, some basically you know, German of some sort. Now, uh, basically, you know, the, this entry started this entire urban legend because uh, unless you were in Portland at the time, you probably wouldn't heard of it. This kind of uh, brought it to the national field. Uh, there were uh, articles sent to some of the gaming magazines. You know, uh, it received a lot of attention in September 2003 uh, in an issue of GamePro uh, because they had a feature on stories, uh, basically or video games called Secrets and Lies, and it basically said the existence of the game was inconclusive. Snopes also claims to have debunked the existence of the game as a modern-day version of the 1980s rumors of Men in Black, uh, saying that that never happened. Now, Here's where it gets more interesting, and it's kind of like life feeding into a rumor and becoming something else. There were some people that got sick in 1981 in an arcade in Portland. That actually happened. Now, there were two people uh, that this happened for uh, happened to. Uh, one of them collapsed with a migraine after playing an early version of Tempest, which uh, if you're not familiar with that, that's a vector graphics arcade. I think it's a racing or a shooting game or both. Uh, so it's very flashy and everything. Uh, another one suffered stomach pain after playing Asteroids for 28 hours in a row in a filmed attempt to break a world record at the game. Now, 
this happened within a week of each other, which if this had happened within a year of each other, it would have been a big deal anyway, and rumors would have started. But within a week of each other, that was a pretty big deal. Uh, And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, the FBI really did raid a bunch of video game arcades in the area. It was uh, 10 days later. And the reason for that was that that they suspected that the arcades were being used for gambling, uh, whether whether it was on the games uh, themselves or just as a a facility to facilitate other types of gambling, I'm not sure. Uh, But it seems like, you know, parts of the story are true. People did get sick and the men in black did show up. However, there might have been a different reason for that. Now, the, the game itself has never actually been located. Nobody knows for sure if this really is just an urban legend, or if it is somebody taking some disparate events that were close but not connected and turning it into a really great story, because it is a great story. I mean, it's so great. I mean, the, the, we've had movies based on this, you know, like The Last Starfighter, about the government putting, or a government putting a, a secret arcade game to test people into an arcade. I mean, that, that's something that's actually been used. I, it certainly makes you think... Uh, considering that our government has been accused of so many different nefarious things, uh, have they actually used arcade games in some way to affect us or gather information or something along those lines? I can't imagine that they haven't. I mean, can you? Uh, Some other evidence to say that this probably isn't the real deal is the German word that I cannot pronounce really looks like it's it's the kind of word that a non-German person would uh, come up with if they tried to combine two uh, different words using an English to German dictionary. I guess it doesn't really make sense. I can't find an actual uh, translation of it, but apparently linguists say that it's, it's not a real German word. So most likely this was something that somebody made up. Now, there have been references to Polybius uh, after the fact. Uh, there was an uh, Atari uh, 2600 homebrew game uh, that was released far after the, uh, the Atari was out. It was released in 2013, uh, basically by a gentleman by the name of Chris Trimue, who uh, bas- came up with this game. It's just uh, a regular game that occasionally flashes subliminal messages like um, suffer and pain and death. Uh, it was marketed uh, in October 5th, 2013 at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, just to, you know, because people like that. They like to have new games come out for old consoles. It was just kind of a joke. Uh, there's also something coming out for the PlayStation 4. Now, it, there's a it's a PlayStation VR game. It was added to the PlayStation Store. I cannot talk today. To the PlayStation Store on May 9th, 2017. Uh, it certainly said... Originally, the guy that created it said that he was permitted to play the original game in a warehouse, and he later walked that back, saying it was inspired by the urban legend, but he did not attempt to reproduce its alleged gameplay. Uh, Of course, how would you reproduce that if nobody's ever actually seen it? Uh, It's also shown up in a few other places. Uh, Polybius was in the background of a Simpsons episode years ago. Uh, It's shown up on the Goldbergs. It's uh, in the, the comic book, Batman Incorporated, number one. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, just kind of shows up. It's even an integral part of uh, a game which I've heard is awesome. Uh, or not a game, uh, a video series uh, hosted by The Escapist called Doomsday Arcade. Uh, I've never actually watched any of The Escapist stuff. I've seen that they have a game online, but uh, certainly they're one of the more prolific uh, groups in the whole... Uh, social media aspect of video gaming, you know, especially with their, you know, the escapist and then the escapist walking dead and all that. So, uh, they're the kind of people who would be aware of this urban legend would certainly use it to their advantage. 
I'd say, you know, it's a fascinating story, and it kind of, you know, makes me uh, pine for the days when I could uh, walk to the back of a strip mall, walk into a somewhat seedy room, and throw a quarter in my favorite arcade game and go to town. Uh, you know, those days are completely gone, and uh, unfortunately, urban legends like that, I mean, urban legends, they've become creepypastas, because everything has to be online these days. So, while we certainly have moved forward... I miss the days when I could go into an arcade and play my favorite arcade game. And I'm curious as to what your favorite ones were. For me, my favorite arcade games of all time were the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back vector graphics um, space simulators. Uh, the ones with the, the crazy wheel joystick, you know, which they've tried to... They, it's been released a couple times in emulation form. And on one of the Star Wars games, I, I, I bought it and it was actually uh, hidden... Uh, for uh, beating the game or something like that. You just can't play that game on anything but that specific uh, control input thing. It, it just doesn't work. Uh, the other one was Spy Hunter. I mean, come on, the theme to Peter Gunn blowing stuff up. That was just an amazing game, and I could play that forever. Uh, I would love to hear what your guys' favorite uh, arcade games are. But, uh, you know, I think this was a great story, uh, keeping in theme with the Halloween uh, season that is upon us. And now we're going to get on to some news for your ears. It has been a very interesting week in news, and we've got a lot to talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about is the video game Dead by Daylight. Now, if you're not familiar with this game, uh, Dead by Daylight is an asymmetrical... Um, you can't really call it a shooter. Uh, it is a first-person game of sorts, but it's not really a shooter. Uh, basically, the concept behind Dead for Daylight, and, and there's a, a, a whole big backstory to it, but... There are four, four survivors, we'll call them, that are put in uh, an arena. Not like an arena like a coliseum. It's like, a, you know, maybe it's an old farmhouse with woods around it or, or something like that. It's like an, an actual real-world creepy location. And they are being stalked by a serial killer. Now, um, serial killers from throughout history have been brought to this place. There's uh, several of them. They all have different uh, powers and abilities. And one person plays the serial killer and everyone else plays the survivors. Now... The serial killer is super powerful, but they play in first-person mode, so their field of view is uh, limited, which uh, handicaps them a little bit. The players are played in a, a third-person view, so they have a much better view of their surroundings, but they're also quite weak. Now, they can use uh, things in their environment to try to fight back, and the whole concept of the idea is the killer has to um, either kill everybody or put them on these hooks, uh, which, you know, you can be saved from if you're put on one of the hooks. You know, another survivor can come along and save you. But you try to survive long enough so that a, a, a door opens so that you can escape. And then you do it all over again. Uh, it's quite an impressive game. The critics love it. Uh, I have played it myself. I, I own the game, and it is pretty fantastic. Now, they've uh, gotten in the habit now of releasing uh, actual movie killers into this uh, game. Uh, the first one was Michael Myers, and Michael Myers came along with a new survivor, which was Laurie Strode, who looks just like uh, she did in the movies, and uh, a new uh level, which was basically Haddonfield. So it's, uh, you know, city blocks, houses, and things like that. Uh, very cool, and you actually can either be running away from Michael Myers or be playing as Michael Myers. They followed that up with Leatherface. Uh, now, I have not purchased the Leatherface uh, downloadable content yet, 
Uh, but again, you know, he has uh, abilities specific to him. I don't know if they released an extra level. Uh, but it certainly was an interesting addition to the collection. All of the other um, killers that they created for the game are all very unique and imaginative. And uh, certainly, if you're into this kind of thing, something you, should, you would want to check out. Now, this week, there was a teaser released. And it would appear that Freddy Krueger is coming to the game. Now, I thought about this, and I figured Freddy couldn't come to the game because all of the other killers in the game were plucked from the real world by this entity and put into this um, this game. Yeah, per, for the sake of argument, without going into the really detailed backstory, they were all actual physical beings. Uh, I wasn't sure if that would work within the context of the mythos because, you know, Freddy doesn't actually exist in the real world um, as Freddy Krueger. He only existed as, you know, Fred Krueger before he burned and died. But apparently, and luckily, they are going to uh, forego making it logically work because Freddy will be coming to the game. Now, we don't have any kind of date on when that's going to happen. Uh, I'm hoping it happens before Halloween because I am looking forward to playing as Freddy Krueger. And I certainly hope they release an Elm Street level to go along with it because that would be super cool. It's just sad that we can't get all of the great uh, horror movie villains in there. I can see Pinhead working in this game, but they're never going to get Jason because he's already got his own game, which is pretty awesome as well. Uh, speaking of Freddy, it would appear that Freddy is truly dead. Uh, Robert England has uh, said in the past that, you know, he's not putting the makeup on again. He doesn't think he's going to play the role, but he uh, did a more in-depth interview recently. And he basically has said that he is too old to play Freddy Krueger anymore. And he specifically cites, you know, in the fight scenes, he, his, he can't turn his head the way he used to be able to. So he can't do, put his uh, neck in eight different positions for eight different shots and things like that. He just can't handle the physicality. And lately, he's been relegated to older characters, like uh, and his, his phrase was Van Helsing-type characters or professors. Uh, but he seems to be very happy with that. I mean, he did not think that the last time he played Freddy would be in Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Freddy did get one last wink at the audience. That was the last scene featuring the real Freddy Krueger. And while I, I certainly wish that we had gotten the follow-up that we were supposed to and should have, I suppose if you've got to go out and not know that your character's going out, that wink to the audience kind of says it all. Now, given that all these horror franchises are being rebooted all the time, I have to wonder if this is really the end of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, now hold on and let me explain. Because the reboot, while I thought Jackie Earl Haley was fantastic, uh, I didn't think the movie was that bad. People are really down on it for a lot of stuff. I thought it was okay. But it was bad writing. It certainly wasn't him as Freddy. I, I thought he did a great job. And if they had mirrored the original series and done, you know, a first one where it was kind of dark and then he lightened up as they went on, I would have been fine with that. I think he actually would have done a good job uh, with a more comedic elements. And if you've seen him in some of his other stuff, uh, like Preacher, for instance, he certainly is able uh, to play comedic as well as very dark and serious. Uh, but considering that that was a box office failure... I don't think that we're going to see any more Nightmare on Elm Street. If Robert England definitely will not put the makeup back on for any reason whatsoever, they've already tried to replace him. It failed. Unlike a lot of the other iconic uh, horror slashers where you can put anybody behind the mask, man, that's tough. I mean, if you're going to recreate that, that's like lightning in a bottle. How do you recapture that again? How do you reboot it and get a new generation in as interested in it as we were back in the 80s? I don't know that it's possible. And it might just be that they will continue the uh, nostalgia train. And I think we truly have seen the very last Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, we're on the flip side. Yeah, there hasn't been a new Jason movie in a very long time. Uh, but the last one was successful. And I 
100%. I mean, they're they're working on one right now, supposedly. I 100% think, think we will see Jason back. I know we're going to see Michael Myers back. There's already a Hellraiser movie in the can, even though it does not feature Doug Bradley uh, playing uh, Pinhead. A lot of these other franchises have somewhere else they can go if they lose the main actor. Um, Nightmare really just doesn't. Uh, moving on, Marvel's Defenders is Netflix's third most binged-watched show, right behind Gilmore Girls and Fuller House. Now, that's interesting because at one point it was Marvel's uh, least-watched show. Now it is Netflix's third most binge-watched show. So that kind of tells me that the numbers for Defenders must have improved since that initial month when they, uh, they put it out. Now, my guess on that would be a lot of people didn't watch Defenders right off the bat because, like uh, many people I know, they hadn't finished some of the other Marvel TV shows and they needed to catch up before they could watch that. Uh, that certainly is good news for Marvel, especially considering we don't know if we're ever going to get Punisher on Netflix, you know, because when will be the right time to release something uh, with a hero that shoots people and kills people? Moving on, some very sad and um, dark news. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer star Nicholas Brendan is back in the drunken spotlight again. Apparently on October 12th at a Palm Springs hotel bar, uh, he had an altercation with his girlfriend. Uh, he was hammered, as he always seems to be these days. Uh, she got up to go back to their hotel room, and first he uh, yanked her back down by her, her arm, and then she went to do it again, and he yanked her back down by her hair. Uh, he has been arrested for felony domestic violence, and, I mean, every time I see a story about him, it, it just makes me so sad. You know, I have fond memories of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and... You know, he, he's the one cast member that didn't go on to do something something big. I mean, he had a sitcom uh, that I don't even think lasted a, a full season. And it just makes me wonder if, uh, because we didn't hear stories about this prior, you know, when he was on the show, if, if some of his uh, alcoholism problems are because he wasn't able to continue his career. You know, a very successful, super successful TV show, um, convention appearances for life with that kind of thing. But that pretty much wasn't his entire career. Seven years, you know, he was probably not even in his 20s when he started. I don't know. But um, it's it's sad, you know, that he's fallen that far. And uh, I don't know that, you know, when, when you uh, are this far down the hole, if there's really any way back for you other than reality TV, which isn't really a way back. It's a way to cash in for a little while and hope you make enough money to last the rest of your life. Uh, next up, Mark Guggenheim, who's the executive producer of Arrow on the CW, apparently will not let uh, Kevin Smith direct an episode of Arrow. Now, uh, Kevin says a lot of his fans have said, hey, you should direct an episode of Arrow. Uh, he's directed episodes of Supergirl and The Flash, and he's going to be doing more this year. Um, but uh, apparently Mark... Uh, won't let him do Arrow. Now, Kevin even wrote Arrow at one point, the actual comic book, uh, and he wanted to bring his uh, character from the comic, Onomatopoeia, into the Arrow TV series. Uh, Mark told him that he believes that Legends of Tomorrow was a better fit because Kevin is known for his comedic-type stuff. He's not known for really dark and dreary and dramatic. And while I certainly think uh, Kevin would be able to turn that on to do an episode of Arrow, it would be a little more lighthearted. I can see where uh, Guggenheim, you know, when he says Legends of Tomorrow would be more... Uh, Kevin's cup of tea. Uh, I can't say I disagree with the statement, but I kind of feel like it's our loss. That, I mean, c come on. We were, what, seasons five, six of Arrow. Can't we have a lighthearted episode every once in a while? I think it would be a lot of fun. On an interesting aside uh, involving Kevin Smith, he came out this week and said he's going to be donating the uh, residuals, from all future residuals from his movies, um, 
the movies that were handled by the Weinstein Company and Miramax and all that because of you know all of the stuff coming out about the Weinstein Company. Uh, he's donating all of those future residuals to a uh, a charity that helps uh, you know women in Hollywood equality things like that. I for, I forgot to write down the name of the charity, uh, but I thought it was uh, quite interesting. Some people said to him, "Well, you should give all that money back." And uh, well, I mean, and he said it himself. He's like, you know, this is, it's pretty much my entire career. He started with them. That's that's how he got started. Uh, the, when he says he's donating those residuals, that's just about everything he's done, uh, which is crazy. And he said, you know, he feels bad because it's like, you know, his entire career, everything he's created is now kind of tarnished, you know, by this company and their practices. And he said, you know, well, I can't, you know, donate the, all of the money I've made. You know, he said, do you know, you know, where the money you made 20 years ago is? You spent it. It's 20-year-old money. It's gone. But since he works in movies, and movies are a very cool thing where you continue making money on them forever, uh, he said he's going to donate all future uh, monies he's paid for those films uh, to this charity. I think that is a, certainly a stand-up thing to do. It's possibly more than you uh, should expect, uh, considering the fact that just about his entire catalog was handled by you know the Weinstein Company and Miramax. So uh, I certainly think he's going to be taking a, a big cut in his uh, residual paycheck, almost down to nothing probably. Uh, and the fact that he's willing to do that and stand up for something he believes in shows the kind of guy he is. Finally, and I am definitely not making this up, on October 22nd, there is going to be an examination certification test at the Koga Ryu School of Ninjutsu in Tokyo. This is basically a ninja test. There is going to be a ninja certification test open to uh, ages 5th grade and up. So if you are studying ninjutsu, you can go and become a certified ninja. I, that almost blows my mind. Uh, and I think, you know what, first of all, my cats would rock that shit, but so would my wife. But hey, that's just my opinion. Your mileage may vary. And that brings us to the GeekPod Blue mailbox. Uh, not a whole lot of messages this week. I actually sent out the uh, Twitter message reminding everybody super late, so I apologize for that. Uh, and uh, since I'm recording this all uh, this week on Thursday rather than doing it piecemeal throughout the week, uh, I'm just going to take what I've got here and any questions that come in after recording, uh, I will get to them next week, I promise. So um, I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Uh, first of all, uh, and last of all, apparently this week, uh, Nick Mormon Webcam Nick writes in. He says, am I going to see you guys at Siricon this weekend? Can't wait to be on the show again. Uh, well, Nick, I think we're going to have a presence. I am guessing that the B team of uh, Andrew and Laura are going to be there this weekend. I know that I attempted to get the time off from work. I was going to actually switch my Sunday with Saturday uh, with a co-worker who needed Saturday until I found out that this Saturday is when we're going pumpkin picking. Uh, so my wife told me absolutely not. Uh, so I am not going to be there. I will be working all day. I know Paul has to play football, and I believe he might be showing up later or not. I'm not sure. Uh, but we're going to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, Andrew and Laura generally are 
at events if we're not able to. So there'll be some kind of presence. And if we can get them one of the recording setups, I mean, we certainly could have them record some stuff and get you on the show. Uh, we can't wait to have you on the show again as well. Uh, next up, he says, I was on that dark ride at Sylvan Beach. I hated it. Would you go on a dark ride or ride a roller coaster? Really, Nick, you hated it. I wish you'd given me um, more details uh, because I would love to know why you hated it. Did you hate it because it scared you? Uh, did you hate it because you're you know, a, a big man baby and things like that just frighten you and terrify you too much? Or did you hate it because you thought it was lame and boring? Uh, I certainly won't uh, pretend to say that uh, Laughland is as terrifying as uh, you know, it, it, it pretends to be. It's, it's really all for fun. And I enjoy it because of its nostalgia value. As to whether I would ride a dark ride or a roller coaster, that's easy. Definitely dark ride. Do not like roller coasters. I can, at least I used to be able to handle that roller coaster at Sylvan Beach, you know, because it's a, a really small one. But I do not like heights. Um, I am very uh, terrified of heights. I, I don't do them. Uh, in fact, I went on the, a tall, a tall-ish water slide this summer uh, with my family at Enchanted Forest, and I was freaking out the entire time we were waiting. It was the big one where everybody can get in the uh, uh, a big uh, round tube, and I was terrified. So yeah, you know, I, there's a lot of things I'm not scared of, uh, but heights don't like them. Don't do roller coasters. Don't need to be swung around like that. I think the people that can do that, more power to you. It's just not me. So definitely, I will always choose a dark ride over probably just about anything else. Uh, next up, he says, if you haven't seen the bad, if you haven't seen the bad Panther trailer yet, I think he says, if you haven't seen, I think he means, if you haven't seen the Black Panther trailer yet, it's so awesome. Uh, I saw the first one. I did see that a new one came out. I have not uh, had a chance to watch it yet. It's been a busy week. Uh, I will certainly uh, take your word for it, and I plan on catching up on that this weekend. Uh, finally, he says, and you are you excited to see Cloud City's new location downtown? I know I am. Uh, Nick, I am thrilled. Uh, I am imagining that we're going to have the opportunity to uh, go down there and record at some point. So I am looking forward to it. It's certainly a happening area, uh, and having our favorite comic store in, in a place that has historical significance, I think is super cool. So I am certainly looking forward to my chance at that. And while I was talking here, uh, Nick sent another uh, message in. He said, I'm looking through my footage, and I have no idea who Michael is. This is going to bug me now. I, well, I mean, I could certainly understand that, Nick. I think you took footage of just about everybody at that convention. Um, I have no idea. I, I mean, people walked by, they waved, and even when you weren't standing there, I think you had stuff recording. So, I, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's just crazy. I don't know how you even, you know, picked that out. It could have been anybody. It could have been somebody in costume. So how would you even know, you know... That, that's a tough one. I can understand where that would bother you. I mean, certainly, I think that the Michael uh, Blah saga is something that's uh, going to continue. And, uh, I mean, I can't help but think that at some point we will get answers. I truly believe that we will have answers. And that's pretty much good. Oh, oh, hold on. I'm getting a text message. You know, it seems like somebody sends me a text message every single week while I'm recording the show. And I just, you know, ignore it and wait until... Um, you know, the show is uh, over to look at it, but I decided that, you know, if I get text messages from a certain uh, someone, I am going to just start reading them on the air, uh, because why not? It's my show. I can do what I want. And it seems that I have a text message from Paul. Text from Paul, text from Paul, everybody loves to get a text from Paul. Text from Paul, text from Paul, everybody loves to get a text from Paul. Show it. 
let's see what he has to say. Uh, it says, Hey buddy, you were right. I should have just thrown that sock out or burned it instead of trying to wash it. Do you happen to have a chisel I can borrow? Uh, well, I don't know, Paul. I'll have to check and see if I have a chisel. If not, I believe you can make a paste out of baking soda, vinegar, and rubbing alcohol. Put it all over the sock and then uh, try to shimmy a butter knife underneath the sock and you should be able to pry it from the uh, washer tumbler wall. Uh, I hope that helps, buddy. And that is going to wrap things up for this week. Make sure you guys tune in next week when I'm sure I will have pumpkin-stained fingers and pumpkin seeds between my teeth. Until then, tuck and roll, kids. GeekPod Blue is a GeekPod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. GeekPod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find GeekPod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD.